Hello, dear friends. It is our sincere pleasure to welcome you again. Today we will have a conversation with the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. And Dushan. Greetings. You know, it is totally obvious that all of us are living in a time of great changes. And every person understands this, every person feels it and even sees it, moreover, even outside their own window. Yet some people still wait for these changes passively, but they look into the future with great hope that our life will be much better. Meanwhile, there are people, such as participants of the Creative Society project, who analyze the experience of past mistakes and understand that one shouldn't torment oneself with expectations, but should simply take the initiative and act, and build this very new world for the better. And they themselves are this very change. Yet, you know, there are still a lot of people who do not know about the Creative Society project and the stage of informing people about this project is underway. It is interesting that those who observe the development of the Creative Society project from afar come up with a number of questions. For example, probably the most frequently asked question is, who is behind the Creative Society project? Whose interests does the Creative Society project defend and lobby? And there is the following question. Yes, people certainly understand that sort of a cyclical change of elites is taking place at the geopolitical level. And they say, well, most probably some old elite is being replaced by a new one. And perhaps participants of the Creative Society project are representatives of the new globalist elite. Moreover, if we look at the conferences, at how professionally and on what a large scale they are held, and at the list of speakers, in fact, among the participants there are princes and princesses, as well as various respected, authoritative people in business, politics, science, and so on. Thus, people do not always believe that this is a project of ordinary people. Therefore, such questions arise. Does the Creative Society project represent the interests of a new globalist elite in the era when one elite is being replaced by another? Well, you're asking it so directly, Tatiana. Friends, I'll have to answer it directly too, since the question was direct. Yes, we, the participants of the Creative Society, represent exactly the interests of a new elite. Are we globalists? Yes, we are globalists. Aren't we? Let's sort this out. Let's do it. Let's do it. Now the elite is ruling the world. Right? What is the elite? Those who rule the world. Yes. The Creative Society actually strives to ensure that precisely people, we, ordinary people, would rule this world the way it should be, the way the Lord entrusted to us. Right? Right. So, is this the elite? It's the elite. A new elite? Yes. Right. Is the project global? It is global. Does it embrace the entire world? Are we globalists? We are, as it turns out, <laughs> it turns out we are the new elite. Yes, that's what it turns out to be, the new elite and the globalists. But with different values, of course. Certainly. Yes, and this elite should be an example for the whole society and for everyone. For the entire humanity. Right, for every member of the society. Igor Mikhailovich, yet whose interests do we represent? Us. Well, as a global elite, we represent only our own interests, the interests of each and every citizen of this planet. Isn't that true? It is true, Igor Mikhailovich. You see, people are accustomed to the idea that there are some circles 
you know, the conspiracy theory right. and everything else, there are certain shady manipulators, there surely are, who denies them? Of course, everyone tries to manipulate somebody. There are people who have trillions and control money, others control banks, still others control something else, they compete with each other, but have no regard for people at all. Well, it is sort of a high time to change the situation, my friends. This control and this aspiration for power makes people so inhumane, a literal dehumanization of people is going on, and they simply lose their bearings, you know, like an uncontrollable ship. They are already sailing and do not know themselves where they are sailing, and they are pulling us along. Friends of mine, the times are different now, Therefore, you know, we ourselves should take the helm and steer the ship along the right course in a strictly designated direction. Towards better changes, changes for the better, right? Towards happiness yes. for each and everyone. To shape this new world. After all, creative society is happiness for each and everyone. All the highest declared values are exactly the creative society. Isn't that so? It is. What's wrong about that? We also talk to people within the framework of the conferences and preparations for the forum, as well as to people in politics, business and so on. And they said, you know, guys, we understand very well that you represent a project of ordinary people, but still, since you haven't gained such a momentum yet, you are treated in a diplomatic way, that is, they give you the way. But as soon as you accumulate some kind of a critical mass, you are most likely to face opposition from those who own this world nowadays. Such people ask the following question, everything is surely great, but who will allow you to implement the Creative Society project? The answer to this question is also direct and honest. We ourselves will, my friends. People do not even suspect that in reality it is not the powers that be who allow us, but it is us, we the people of this planet, allow that little handful of people to rule over us. It is with our consent and with our permission that they have power. This is true, and everyone should know it. That's why there should be no concept of power in this world at all. Then there will be order and peace. Solely people, every person on this planet should have the right to determine the destiny of the whole planet, but not some separate group of individuals should do that. No matter what kind of good people we elect and put in charge of either the whole planet or a separate country, there will never be order and there will never be humanness. The consumerist format in any of its manifestations is detrimental to everyone. And sometimes we see that. We see entire countries being ruined, we have seen millions of people destroyed, just as they are being destroyed nowadays. It's all a consequence of the consumerist format. We see how we are deceived, how we are ripped off, how our constitutional rights are violated, even though they tell us, under the Constitution you have freedom and democracy. But they shut our mouths. We are killed or put in jail for saying a wrong word about someone to whom we have delegated our power. When that one is wrong and we comment on it, we are told that we are working for the enemy. Why? They invent enemies for us. They complicate our lives. They create inflation for us. And they create so many problems in our lives that, God forbid, and we are literally living in this slavery, a slavery called the consumerist format. Friends, maybe it is time to stop that. Let's build a creative society. 
It is easy, it is simple, and it is really wonderful. Igor Mikhailovich, there is another direct question. Do people in power… Today you ask a lot of direct questions, Tatiana. The point is, Igor Mikhailovich, that the time is shrinking. And you're in a hurry. And I'm in a hurry. <laughs> See, friends, how concerned she is. That's why I would like to speak openly and directly. Go ahead, speak directly and openly. The question is the following, Igor Mikhailovich. Certainly, there are people who are called powers that be, or politicians who, in order to protect their status, have surrounded themselves with certain paramilitary structures. Of course. And of course, people who are completely unarmed are afraid that they will not be able to reach out to them and somehow implement these changes for the better. Yes. There is such a thing, and people are really afraid. Why? Because those in power have entire armies, various special services and everything else, and they can shut anyone's mouth. They have masses of armed soldiers, while generals are those who eat from their hands. My friends, I'll tell you a little secret. Any general in the army whom soldiers obey without question is an ordinary soldier at home. So when he comes home, there is his own general there. There's a wife there, and there are children who want to live. And looking into their eyes and understanding the entire current situation, I'm not talking about geopolitics and crises, you see. Frankly speaking, all this fuss is nonsense. It's not even worth a damn. Really. Why? Because right now, as of today, we are facing a real enemy, the only enemy of the entire humanity, and that is climate. Information about it is silenced and not reported to us, so that we do not become depressed, do not panic, and even more so, that we don't go out into the streets and don't wipe out those elites. But knowing this, and I think smart people know, and understand how this will all end up for everyone, including their children and grandchildren, as well as for those very generals who guard these elites. And when we talk about the Creative Society, this is the future, not only for you and me, but for the children of those very generals and for the grandchildren of those very generals. So a simple question. Will they go against people? Yes, some will go if they are ordered to. But who will order them? Let's take an honest look. You see, only some kind of a beast who even has no care for his offspring, not to mention love, you know, there are very few of such individuals. I'm not saying they don't exist, they do exist. They start wars and many other things, and they do not care about their families, even though they think they care about theirs. However, in the situation with climate, it seems to me, even those should know who can give orders to those generals, let's put it so, who can direct their services against all humanity, I think they won't have the heart, if they know the truth. Yes, all sorts of advisors and the like can cheat and tell them, but don't those advisors have families? And on the other hand, what about those services, both the intelligence services and the military? Are they not people? Do they not want to live? 
Everyone surely sees the situation already from within, how it develops, and they see even of more. Of course. They are not morons, after all. Let's start with the fact that those very intelligence services are the smartest people. They are prone to analysis and to observation, right? Because 2 plus 2 is 4, and they can add it up. They remember what it was like 10 years ago, what the climate situation was like, what the climate situation was like 5 years ago, and they see what it is like now. And if they are not stupid people, while they are far from being stupid, they understand what's going to happen in 10 years, and they understand that in 20 years there won't be anybody. Because everything that's being told is done either under duress or out of stupidity. I mean those scientists who say, in a hundred years we'll have such and such temperature, and we'll have this and that. Well, if they're scientists, they understand that in a hundred years there will be nothing at all. There will be Mars and our planet will be exactly the same if we don't do anything now. And as of today, the Creative Society is the only way out. It's not because we support it, it's not because we are volunteers of this movement, we care about it and we understand from within what the Creative Society and its possibilities are, but because there is no alternative, friends. There is no alternative, indeed. Is there any, anything similar, at least some project, that could, let's say, give humanity a chance. No, because if we look back in history, those formats which existed earlier, including democracy and, I don't know, communism, well, we didn't even get to communism, it was socialism, monarchy, and so on. But there was always power. Of course. And what did that lead to? To the deaths of people. And it happens all the time. And another point. Why we say that in the creative society all power should belong to people, that there should be no barriers or borders between us. Yes, there may be states, they may exist and so on, but people should be free. And there should not be such a principle of state's existence as we have now. Why? First of all, because a state cares only about its own interests, there are always military confrontations, there are always closed engineering design bureaus that employ the smartest people, while we need them. If we do not unite scientists of the entire world and do not set a clear task for them, we will not find a solution to the situation that has nowadays come to a head. And not only do we not have, let's say, a hundred years, we don't even have 10 years to bring those scientists together and give them an opportunity to work. After all, once scientists have been gathered together, they need time to study the situation, get to the heart of the problem and find a solution. Moreover, we need to have enough time to implement this solution in order to save life for each and everyone on this planet and to preserve this planet. Therefore, friends, we need to act, and act quickly. I hope that everyone understands this. Those in power, those who guard them, those who work for them, and everyone, all of us, the citizens of this planet. Igor Mikhailovich, you have touched upon the subject of scientists, and people also wonder whether there are those true scientists. Yes, there are. Where are they? How can we reach out to them? Well, you know, I'll put it this way, there are a lot of smart and literate people among scientists. It is so, indeed. Yes, there are those who are, as people call them, grant-eaters, who do nothing but take grants, tell fairy tales and simply devour money. There are those who, let's say, whose goal and objective is to plagiarize and things like that. 
you know, who are commonplace careerists, who are really plagiarists. Their goal and objective is to achieve something in this world. Some significance, some weightiness, it's a struggle for power again, you see? However, there are lots of very smart people too. I understand that the smartest people are in close engineering design bureaus. Why? Because that's the cutting edge of all technology, and any state will not popularize the smartest people, the true scientists. It will keep them, let's say, in closed caves, and force them to develop new kinds of weapons and the like, in order to protect itself from other countries. It's true, after all. So, we need those very smartest scientists. As for the rest, I also, you know, a comparison comes to my mind, excuse me, friends, for such a comparison, but I will still share it. Looking at the whole scientific world, I have the following impression or analogy. Wild animals that perform in a circus and do what they are told, they stand on their hind legs. These proud, powerful, strong, beautifully intelligent and freedom-loving animals cowardly tuck their tails as they look towards a man who is holding their foot and a whip against them in his hands. I think I have answered the question. Many scientists, being afraid of the whip, while many others, because they want to eat, lie to us. They are forced to do so. And many don't even touch upon this problem. You know, a lot of scientists are scared of the climate problem in general, whereas a lot of scientists are silenced. How many scientists who told the truth have died under mysterious circumstances? Why? Because this brings instability and fear into this world, while, as they say, one mustn't frighten people. One mustn't frighten, and we don't seek to frighten, honestly. But people must know, people must know the truth and must know what awaits them tomorrow. Why, for example, would I set up some kind of a consortium now, build a big business and so on, if it won't last even two decades, much less? What's the point? As soon as you develop it, you'll have to end it, right? We also have our own example of this kind, because we conducted a lot of interviews with scientists, with climatologists, and we also faced a situation when there was a very famous scientist, we were invited, we did an interview with him, but there was some man present there. And we kept asking, why is he there? We are interested in what this very scientist is going to say. And they said, this man is going to watch after what this scientist will say, and if he doesn't like it, then we cannot use that footage for everyone. So, we raised the question, in such a case, why arrange an interview when a person cannot speak openly? Of course. And he said, guys, you know, I have a contract, I cannot say on camera what I would like to say. Here's the answer. Yes. That a person simply… Science is under severe censorship. Yes, it is. It is. Unfortunately, friends, this is precisely what the consumerist format is. In order for us to live freely and honestly, no matter how you twist it, we need the creative society. This is something worth thinking about, right? Another point I remember is that we should also release the true scientists, release the scientists from those… That's right. 
bunkers and basements. Yes, and the basements in which they are kept so comfortably and really create weapons, in fact, for us to kill each other. This is a very acute topic. Dushan has also mentioned now that every political order and system in the consumerist society ended up with numerous human deaths and casualties. Our deaths, friends, the deaths of you and us. And right now the smartest people among us are busy inventing new kinds of weapons to destroy us even more massively. And you know, Igor Mikhailovich, I think they don't want that either. They don't. Nobody wants war. Although, you know, when you talk to people, they say the following, well, it is probably impossible to build such a humane world, because how is that actually? A world without wars. Our grandfathers were at war, our great-grandfathers were at war too. And in general, when we look at recent history, there have always been wars. Is a world without war possible? However, a different point of view is not shown. We are not shown, let's say, interviews of those soldiers who were on the battlefield because it's a huge problem that people don't want to fight while being on the battlefield. It's true. In fact, less than 25% of people actually point their weapons in the direction of, let's say, an opponent, and only 2% of soldiers, let's say, shoot to kill. And that's a huge problem for those who want to pit people against each other. Because when a human sees a human in front of him, when he sees personality in front of him, his entire inner nature resists using a weapon. In history, we know lots of examples of what was called finger paralysis, when a finger was supposed to pull the trigger, or, for instance, a frozen hand, which was also supposed to kind of put some orders into action, meaning you understand that a human by nature resists this in every possible way, and that we are imposed something which is contrary to our true nature. It seems to me that people should simply be aware of this. It is clear that nowadays certain decisions are made in the world to avoid this contact between people, so that a person doesn't see a human being in another person, doesn't see personality. Yes, they use long-range systems where, let's say, any trained specialist can press a button, yes. he does not see whom he is killing and destroying. Right. It is kind of easier and better for him, whereas far from everyone can pull let's say, the trigger while looking into another person's eyes. But I'll tell you that even those 2% who can easily pull the trigger while looking into the eyes, when a gun is pointed at them, they do not want to die. That's the trouble. They want to kill others, but they don't want to die themselves. The most interesting thing is that those 2% of people who basically pull the trigger, when the studies of their psycho-emotional state were conducted, then in fact, even before the beginning of military operations, there were those people who were, let's call them bluntly, psychopaths, maniacs and killers, and killers who actually always performed this main order and the main military mission that was set before them. And you know, Igor Mikhailovich, one realizes that it is very easy to build the creative society. Very easy. Because if we have been deceived and actually forced for so many millennia, for it is very difficult to make every human being go against his nature, then if we go in the opposite direction, that which is natural for us… May I say and also express such a thought regarding the fact that we were forced. Just think about it, friends. Literally, not so long ago, in the previous century, the smartest people who 
really give humanity a lot of scientists, a lot of most talented musicians, and wonderful people in general, very hard-working and humane people, but suddenly they became Nazis. Nonsense. It's… well, it's inconceivable, you see. Yes, exactly. This is really psychological brainwashing. It is. This is indeed a pressure on people's psyche, on the masses of people. And they picked it up with such enthusiasm, far from everyone, let's be honest. The first ones to pick it up were those 2% of maniacs and beasts, there is no other way to call them. But others followed them, due to fear for their own lives. Yet they managed to break such a strong and proud nation by making them Nazis, fascists. However, if that was possible to do in such a country and turn such people into murderers, then are we people unable to build a creative society? A simple question. We are certainly able. Igor Mikhailovich, you have touched upon the topic of climate. You approached this topic several times today. And we understand that, yes, of course, humanity has an enemy, it is climate. Yes. But unlike those enemies who are foisted on us, this enemy probably accumulates the best qualities in each of us, because it is possible to overcome this enemy only by manifesting one's best and most natural qualities in the form of humaneness, unification and mutual assistance. Solidarity. And we understand that this very enemy accumulates what is the best in a human being. It accumulates humaneness, mutual assistance and unification. Nowadays, we really have difficult times when everyone already sees what's going on outside the window. And it is actually no longer needed to emphasize the urgency of this topic, because those people who were skeptical about climate change news not so long ago now shout out loud and raise the alarm. Look at what is happening around us, because for the first time they are facing climate change in their regions, which seem to be very quiet to them. And now people understand that there are no such quiet corners on the planet Earth, that the climate is aggravating. In this regard, there is a question, Igor Mikhailovich. What stage are we actually at in terms of climate change? What are the prognoses? Well, you've been so straightforward and honest today. My friends, I'll be straightforward and honest too, sorry. We don't have time to play games, to tell you that everything is fine. And we don't have time to deceive you, friends, either. Each of you sees and observes what's going on right now. Let us list the symptoms of this patient a little bit. We see qualitative changes in the atmosphere, we do see them. We see temperature increase, we see it, don't we? We do. It is everywhere and it is rapid. Next, we see the acceleration of time. After all, it's a fact. It is one of the main symptoms, because the acceleration of time is caused by the accelerated rotation of the Earth itself, isn't it? Yes, I understand. In the history of humankind there were times when a day lasted 18 hours, and there were times when it lasted 16 hours. But, friends of mine, the Earth was much smaller in its size. It had a completely different gravity and a different oxygen content, and the environment was different. However, what is happening on our planet nowadays, these are 
deadly symptoms. We see our Earth heating up from the inside. We see glaciers heating up from beneath. Cold is increasing on top, while glaciers are rapidly melting. And the combination of this very data, I have listed just a little part that anyone can see, it actually leads to those changes which we now observe, those very downpours, droughts and earthquakes. Again, regarding seismic activity, we see a specific pattern of increase in seismic activity. Why do I say specific? Because it is really beyond those maps which were drawn earlier. Next, and this is also important, we see qualitative changes of the air in our atmosphere. This is no accident either, it's not saturation with carbon dioxide, although carbon dioxide content is slightly increasing as well, nobody denies that. There is an increase. However, the ratio of that very nitrogen and oxygen has started changing, as well as many other factors. We see significant changes in the higher layers of the atmosphere, a rarefaction is taking place. And all this indicates that our pot is starting to boil. Pardon me, it is such an association. Well, I'll say it for understanding. Many people know, what happens when you boil milk in a pot with a lid on the cooker, right? So, when it only began to heat up and the first bubbles came out, people raised the alarm. They thought it would heat up for a very long time and would boil God knows when or not boil at all. But the processes have accelerated. Why? It's a boiling process. When temperature swiftly rises, in the process of heating. And now, in the process of heating, we face a situation where the lid has started moving. I'll tell you using associations, then think for yourselves. So the lid has started moving. You know, it is sort of, of a slight wobble, and this kind of steam is bursting out from the pot a little bit. But there is no active boiling process. What will happen next? Excuse me, friends. I respect you. We could tell you not only by years, but also by days, believe me. It's not difficult to calculate, but we will tell you allegorically. The time will come, and it's not far off, when the boiling process will start. And we will see how the lid is shaking and the steam is increasing. And now I'll draw a parallel with this association. Let's imagine how our Earth is structured. All of you know, don't you? There is a thin crust, there is a mantle under it, and a core. There is an outer core and an inner core, it doesn't matter. Our globe is spinning. There is a core that is also spinning. Plus, there is magma. It is liquid and hot, and it is spinning too. All this is working like a dynamo that produces a magnetic field, which is sort of our protective shield. It is exactly the electromagnetic field that protects us from radiation from outer space and from the Sun. And here we approach the most important, I would say, 
One more very important point, which is just as important as the acceleration of our planet's rotation. It is the weakening of our electromagnetic field. In other words, our protection, our immunity, ceases to function the way it should. What does this indicate? It indicates that the boiling process is starting. What will happen? Well, let's look at two pictures at once, okay? One picture is our Earth, the second picture is a pot of milk on the cooker and the boiling process. Right now we observe that the Earth is expanding along the equator, it's a fact, and everyone knows that. Because of the expansion, a lot of water begins to escape, that's a fact, no one argues anymore. Some people say that water bodies are drying out, while there is also abundant rainfall, but water is going away. So they are wrong. Water is going into the ground. Thus the expansion process causes water to start going into the ground. And everyone who studied this also knows that there is much more water underground than on the ground above. So when magma and water start coming into contact, increased seismic activity begins to occur. In other words, the lid on our pot begins to slightly shake. When water starts coming into contact with magma, the first eruptions and geysers emerge, that is, sort of light steam begins to burst out from under the lid of our milk pot from time to time, right? This scenario is going to progress. Now we understand that magma rises due to certain reasons and the instability of the core. Scientists themselves pointed out already a long time ago that the core is unstable. That's a fact. The unstable behavior of the core causes the liquid medium inside our planet, the so-called magma, to start rocking and, let's say, to change the center of mass more intensively in some places, due to which our planet has actually started accelerating and time has run faster. These very shifts in the centers of mass cause water hammering on the crust itself, while the crust is very thin and has very weak resistance. Therefore, magma already starts coming into contact with those waters which are in the crust. Hence, there are such manifestations. What will happen afterwards? This process will intensify. That will lead to strong winds. I'll put it this way. When it begins to boil a little bit and we see that there are already jets of vapor, right? In other words, this will affect our atmosphere even more strongly. Very strong winds and very heavy rains will appear. And naturally, earthquakes will begin in mass, so there will remain a small number of more or less safe places on our planet where we will be able to live more peacefully. And given the fact that this steam from our pot, meaning from our planet, will be bursting out of our bowels, again, it will be mixed with dust and it will be acidic and toxic. It will have a very strong effect on everything living and on everything that grows on this planet. Moreover, the boiling speed will increase very rapidly. This is, literally, let's say, as soon as this process becomes stronger than it is now, I'll put it mildly, nowadays we only see a tremor. As soon as it gets stronger, there will be some period of time, maybe 
five years at most. This is if we take Jackie's project, friends, those who remember. We will be able to hide in it. If we don't use Jackie's project, we will all die at that stage, and we won't see what is more interesting. Well, that which is more interesting will happen very, very quickly, meaning practically within a few minutes, I would say. But if we use Jackie's project, friends, you and us have a chance to admire the most beautiful sight, which happens quite rarely. Once it happened on Mars, and now we, as humanity, have a chance to see it ourselves with our own eyes and enjoy, perhaps for two minutes, if we are lucky enough, to not be on the side where it will happen. Such a beautiful, I would say, a rare spectacle that rarely happens on living planets. So, when the main crust beneath the depths of the ocean splits, to put it simply, due to all these phenomena, and magma will meet, I mean billions of cubes of water will simultaneously meet with billions of cubes of magma. And usually it happens at the deepest points, where the crust is the thinnest. This instability which grows will cause a very powerful water hammer. There will be a tremendous release of steam into the atmosphere, which will sweep away, you know, like a blanket, it will roll up our atmosphere within an instant. But the same hammer will also go back. Just to understand what kind of a water hammer it is, which will be directed into the magma from the contact of such a huge amount of water and magma, I would compare it, excuse me for the simplicity, but it will be evident. Pour some water into a basin, take a slipper, give a strong slap on the water, and you will see the water starting to spurt out, right? So exactly the same water hammer will go inside the planet. This will cause a rupture of almost all old places, old mountains, meaning old seams in our crust. It is unlikely that anything will happen where there are new formations, because everything is very thick and very strong there, you know, kind of a strong bone callus. But on old formations a thinning occurs. They used to be thick, but over time these seams between plates will split. Why? Because when two plates come at each other, they collide, and mountains begin to form, and it grows both upwards and downwards. On new formations there is such a tight, massive junction, whereas on old ones there is still this very fault. At this point the most serious catastrophe will happen, which will instantly turn our planet into Mars. Water will disappear from the surface, the atmosphere will disappear, and our, let's say, planet will change forever, it will turn from living into dead. Why? Because the core will stop. The electromagnetic field will disappear almost completely and almost instantaneously, and gravity will change. The first thing that will happen is satellites will start falling. Our main satellite, the Moon, will fall next. It will definitely fall on our planet. No one will have a chance to survive here. I'm sorry, this is a real scenario. Well, it's not utopian. Any specialist who really, let's say, 
has an opportunity to speak freely will tell you this, and not the way as Dushan has just told us, that there is a specialist and there is a supervisor over him who watches what he says. Well, if a person is at least a little bit literate, at least a little bit free, he will confirm it, word for word. Well, maybe he won't use the pot, but the pot is a demonstrative example, each of us can see this. And practically each of us has seen what happens to a pot of milk if we forget about it. It boils and boils, and then instantly, tearing off the lid, it starts fountaining. That's the truth of life. There are new facts that you've just voiced, which are shocking, frankly speaking. These are the facts which you've encountered in different religions. When this very Judgment Day was described, tentatively speaking, a surprising pattern was traced. It was described in the same way both in Christianity and in Islam. It was said back then that seas would also boil. In particular, it was mentioned in Islam, in the Hadiths. And it was said that even mountains would somehow rise up in the air or something. They will crack. Yes, they will crack. Of course, mountains will move apart, they will crack. It was said that the sun would fade and the moon would Definitely. fade. Definitely. That stars would begin to fall. Certainly. And you know, when you look at it without knowledge and without understanding. It will feel like the stars are falling. Why? Because at the moment, when it happens, the rotation of our Earth will instantly increase and the atmosphere will be disrupted. That is why I'm saying the atmosphere will start to roll up. It will really start to roll up like a rock. The heaven will roll up like a scroll. Or like a scroll. As it was said in Islam too. It's just that, you know, before you looked at it and thought, well, maybe this will happen as a result of inversion and reversal of no. poles. It is some kind of pulse shifting. Many people think that if the poles are reversed, the planet should turn over. No. Inversion of poles occurred many times. As it was, so it remains. Only the magnetic field changes, and that's all from plus to minus. The information is shocking, Igor Mikhailovich, because somehow we've never looked at it so broadly. And when there are no keys, we think it's all some sort of myths, fairy tales. Oh, you know, Tatiana, what kind of fairy tales these are? If our pot is already starting to boil, what kind of fairy tales? Any normal and at least a little bit sane person can see the evidence of this. This is what we are facing. In fact, this is the first time our planet, being in such a state, is faced with such a situation, let's say, with such an enemy. Why? Remember, you and I once mentioned that every 12,000 years we become exposed to a certain radiation. A lot of people do not believe in that. Some people associate it with the fact that something happens on the Sun, and it is reflected on the Earth. Of course, changes on the Sun are certainly reflected on the Earth, but in this case it is different. All the planets in the Solar System react to that, including the Sun and our planet. If we could observe planets and stars in our arm of the galaxy or in the nearest arm, we would see the same thing when they pass through this radiation. The question is different. There is another interesting point for intelligent people to think about. Just now we brought up the issue you and I were talking about, that there is radiation. And I was comparing this to a clock. You remember that, friends, yes, do you? Yes, the cyclicity. And that when we are, let's say, at 12 o'clock, that is when we are at the highest point, the most powerful radiation is coming at us. When we are on the other side of the galaxy and get under that beam, there is a much lesser impact, mm -hmm. impact on our planet. 
And we see from the course, from the observations, from geology, that this is really true. Every 12,000 years there are such large-scale events, but every 24,000 years they are more pronounced, they are much stronger. The only explanation to this is that every 12,000 years we are exposed to harsh radiation that comes from the outside. And what is occurring now on the planet, we observe that this can only be an induction of, let's say, currents. Let's use the word currents, it's a different energy, but for understanding. An induction of currents on our earthly structure from the outside. In other words, that which is causing a certain dissonance in our planet, and we see the consequences, we observe it all. But the question arises here, and it may also be unclear to people, we said that every 24,000 years we are exposed to a harsh radiation, and every 12,000 years we are exposed to a lesser one. However, our galaxy, in relation to other galaxies, makes one revolution during every 200-plus million years. Meaning, how do we get under it all every 12,000 years then? So it turns out that after every 12,000 years there should be located those… Pulsars. Some kind of pulsars or something else, and they should be located at a strictly precise distance, right? And in alternation, one weaker and one stronger. Or there must be something else. But we observe only the light that is coming to us from over 14 billion years ago. And owing to these observations, we draw conclusions about our entire universe. Yes, we observe over a hundred billion galaxies scattering away from each other at crazy speeds, and that's all. So, by the relation of our galaxy to those galaxies, we judge how our galaxy is spinning. But we do not consider something greater. Has anyone ever thought that maybe this whole mechanism we observe could be just a small part of a different mechanism, a much bigger one? And maybe that's where this impetus of life comes from. Why? Because what is occurring is a radiation that cannot be compared to anything else, but it is distinct and focused, and it is very narrow. You know, I would compare it to a laser beam, which, if we shine, for example, there is a cluster of, let's say, dust. There is suspended dust. Let's imagine that it is located in an electromagnetic field. The dust is spinning, clots of dust are forming and so on. So we are shining a laser on this dusty, let's say, pancake. There's no other way to call it, because our universe is constricted. Just recently people believed that according to the laws of physics, the universe should be expanding like a sphere. But it turns out that for some reason it is more like a pancake than a sphere. Doesn't that violate the laws of physics and destroy the Big Bang theory, friends? It does. So if we shine the laser while this pancake rotates, if it is rotated, at the same speed, the laser will pass and, precisely as a clock, will arrive here. Igor Mikhailovich, is it every 24,000 years that people face the scenarios described in those very religions that, for example, the stars will fall down? 
No, of course not. We are lucky. We might see this for the first time. Well, we, as those who live and exist on this planet. But in general, such scenarios are quite frequent. And we see, the only difference is that we have the Moon. That's why we will be hit a lot harder than Mars, for example. After all, it's no secret that there were seas, oceans and rivers on Mars. Well, now we can see what happened to it. And not so long ago, in terms of the scale of those events. Actually, there's another option. Together, we can take this lid off. You know, we shouldn't take the lid off. There will be a disaster. The milk will boil over anyway, a little slower, a little later, but it will still boil over. We merely need to turn off the energy supply to that pot. This means we have to find a solution and turn off that energy, or we have to counteract that effect with an equal force, right? Right. But if we look at the consumerist format, the entire science is simply divided. Yes, we won't succeed. How to make sure that we unite all scientists? The platform already exists. There are two options. We've just discussed this. It is to build the Creative Society, which is the most appropriate and convenient option, or to really establish a single world government. Only then can we stop all wars and all strife. We can free true scientists from basements and secret engineering design bureaus, gather them at one table, set one goal and task for them, and find a solution to this problem. But there is one more problem. When we have a single-world government, well, yes, we can certainly, or rather not we, but they can, certainly force people to gather all the resources and everything else. It's going to be a bit difficult, because it is merely a government, and they will always have competitors, and they won't be able to, let's say, gather all the potential and all the resources, whereas in the Creative Society it is easy. Why? Because we, the people, we unite, and all of our potential is united, including the scientific one. Well, some people will say, along with stupidity, and stupidity will be united too, how can it be otherwise? It'll be more fun too. You know, sometimes a minus by a minus is a plus, isn't that so? Sometimes stupid ideas, you know, they make revolutions in this world, in the scientific world. Although it seemed to be a stupid idea, there are plenty of such examples. So, my friends, everything is very simple. Of course, the most appropriate option is the Creative Society. It is the unification of not only our scientific potential, but of all our resources. In addition, it's a new stage for the development of humanity, really a new stage, friends. It means new opportunities, it's a beautiful new world. And most importantly, It's a chance for each and everyone to survive. And for that we just need to apply a little bit of effort, right? Everything is very simple. So, my friends, if we want to live, all we have to do is to build a creative society in order to turn off the power supply under our pot. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Friends, let's just love each other. Thank you.